0: But when you hear that music, you know, it is time for opening day and on the lighter side of baseball, this is opening day week because of the strike lockout or whatever you want to call it. And so today we are going to have the only Cubs center fielder to ever win a golden glove. That would be none other than, uh, we'll introduce him in a few minutes. He'll be calling in. You know who it is. Bobby Dernier, Bobby D, the deer. Uh, teammate of Ryan Sandberg, teammate of Gary Matthews. The Philadelphia connection comes to Chicago. They win the 1984 division. They got California with a two-game lead and lose the series three to two. We're not going to talk about that. Anyway, it's great. I told you earlier in a podcast about the uh, geese mating. Well, to bring you up to date, uh, she apparently had five little eggs and... Uh, She's parked in my backyard. I, you know, now I can't do anything about it because I'd probably be committing a felony if I bothered the little bird. Anyway, uh, there you go. That's it. That's the lighter side of geese. I uh, bring the story all the way around, 360 degrees. The mate, interestingly enough, he's gone, man. He, I guess that's called flying the coop. Uh, she's sitting out there on top of eggs with two ducks watching her. I mean, this is who thought when you turned on this podcast, you're going to get a lesson in nature and evolution and biology or whatever it's called. I don't know. Let's talk baseball. We are getting ready to uh, start the 2022 campaign, and uh, McCubbies are power ranked 23rd. Yeah, that uh, amazingly, that's what nine teams worse than them. I don't believe it. They even include the Royals, who I think will be pretty good. We had Craig Kishan on last time. He was pretty high on the Brewers. Uh, I'm not very high on the Cubs. I'm pretty high on the Brewers. Cardinals, I hope, you know, go Owen 162. That's probably not going to happen. And so uh, going out to Wrigley on Thursday, and so on Friday or Saturday, we'll do a podcast about how the experience was on opening day in – You know, a non-pandemic year, it's over. No masks, people right next to you, $20 beer, $14 hot dogs, seats are a couple hundred apiece. What could be better? I mean, what great family entertainment. And so, uh, you know, we're expecting a three or four hour game and it's going to be a balmy 45 degrees with the wind blowing out to right field. So what else is new? It's a typical opening day at Wrigley. And I'm excited. And then on the 18th, they have Jackie Robinson Day. And uh, that game will be against the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, I believe my good buddy, Dwayne Stats, might be just coming to town. Hopefully, if that's the case, we'll have a little dinner, do a little podcast uh, segment. And uh, that'll be awesome. Uh, Very good. Very good. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about uh, Jackie Robinson Day, trying to get Bob Kendrick on the phone. He's pretty famous now, man. You know, we did a podcast together. Then all of a sudden he started his own podcast, got, you know, millions of dollars in sponsors. MLB Network loves him. He's going to introduce Buck O'Neill to the Hall of Fame. Uh, And so, man, I got left in the dirt by Kendrick. He's a stud and offered to be his caddy. I'd be more than happy to head to Cooperstown to uh, give him a little help, but not to be. Not to be, I don't think, uh, although I did send him an email. I'm waiting for him to return my email or call me. Call me, Bob. I'll be around. Uh, let's see what else is going on. I think the uh, Cubs four-game series against the Brewers is going to tell everything we need to know, and that is we don't have any pitching. We don't have a closer. We don't have a, a, a middle guy. We don't have an end guy. We don't have any guys in the bullpen we have a starting rotation that's just as bad as it was when the season ended. Oh, man. You know, Ricketts, here's the deal. You know, he buys his baseball team. Then he buys up basically the entire neighborhood of Wrigleyville. He moves Ron Santo, Billy Williams, Ernie Bank, whoever. He moves the statues, statues around so that he can have a sports book Uh, down the right field line. I'm going to go look at that and see what the hell that is. And now he's dealing with one of Putin's buddies. He's going to feather the nest of a Russian oligarch to the tune of, I don't know how many billion dollars with a couple other of his rich buddies uh, from Chicago and elsewhere. They're going to buy a soccer team. Now, you know, to me, a pitch is what Kyle Hendricks is going to deliver on opening day at one twenty in the afternoon. That's a pitch. It'll be an 82-mile-an-hour fastball, but it's still a pitch. Now, I watched on Apple Plus the little gig about the Kansas City guy that goes to England and becomes a soccer coach, and I learned – that those fields are called, I mean, the, where they play soccer is a pitch, I guess. I don't know. Uh, pitch black, pitch the ball, soccer pitch. And so uh, that's it. He's by a soccer team now. He couldn't afford Bryant. He couldn't afford Rizzo. He couldn't keep Baez. He couldn't keep Darvish. He couldn't keep Castellanos. He couldn't keep Schwarber. He couldn't keep Kimbrell. He couldn't keep anybody. He's not going to be able to keep uh, our catcher, Wilson Cone And He's lucky to keep Shrimp Scampi. The broadcaster just cut a 25-year deal or something. I don't know. Bad. You'd think I'd be upbeat. In spring eternal, spring, spring's eternal, everybody's happy, season's underway, we're gonna be playing baseball at Wrigley Field, who want, wouldn't wanna do that? But um, I'm telling you, the uh, Cubs are gonna be really bad, really bad, if they win 81 games, I will take every listener to the lighter side of baseball, out for a barbecue dinner. You come to Kansas City or Chicago. You track me down, and I will take you to the best barbecue in the respective cities. Okay, that's a deal. If they if they win eighty one games, it ain't gonna happen. I mean, I could I could even get more outrageous and and come up with something more spectacular. But I'm gonna leave it at the barbecue for anybody that comes up to me and says, "Hey." And then they can they they can sort of like I've got listeners that you know, like yesterday, for example, I got an email from a listener who said, dude, you know, I think you said that the streaming rights for each team add $65 million to the kitty. So that each team from their streaming revenue would get 65 million. And he goes, Dude, that's two billion dollars. What I believe I said, and it doesn't matter. There's some people that correct me. I love it. Um, Pumpsy Green. You know you're out there. Pumpsy Green, the Boston Red Sox. First uh, player to integrate the Red Sox team. I had Pumpsy in second base. I think my listeners said, not I was a center fielder. It could be backwards. Anyway, anyway. So, um, I said that, and I, and I think I ultimately said, that the national revenue from the broadcast media is $65 million so that the media rights from the national broadcast give the Baltimore Orioles double what their payroll is, which is goes to my other point of how ridiculous baseball is where somebody plays The New York Yankees play the Baltimore Orioles 18 times, and their payroll is like 200 million, 250 million more. Crap. I mean, it's like playing Hinsdale Central Red Devils. Go Red Devils. But my God, or like the Durham Bulls, or like the U.S. Women's Olympic baseball team, softball team. It's not a fair fight. It's just, so why, why do I get worked up? Why do I care? Remember I said, you know, Rizzo during the uh, latter part of May last year, man, you know, he took it, and, and every year he took it better than me. And it's like Sean Casey, I guess, to first base. Hey, good to see you, man. While the fans sitting there bitching because Wait, he just went on for four. Why are you smiling? Or I remember when I met Dave Nelson, uh, on an airplane, they had just gotten swept in 1973, uh, lost four games to the Minnesota Twins, and I, I couldn't believe that these guys were partying on the plane. Yeah, they flew commercial, not even charter. They had a, didn't even go nonstop. And I met Dave Nelson, the legendary Dave Nelson, Davy Nelson, is some. I met him on the plane, and I'm going, dude, you guys just dropped four in a row. How in the world are you guys celebrating? Because, well, you know, we're professionals. And that was kind of Rizzo. We're professional. We don't really get too upset if we lose the game. Um, Now, that isn't quite the way I am, but I'm going to change. Please change. You know, please don't sweat it. When the uh, Cardinals take 16 of 18 from the Cubs, don't worry about it. When the Brewers come in and sweep the opener, I mean, look at their pitching staff. They got Burns who won the Uh, Barnes, Burns, whatever his name is. He won the Cy Young. Then they've got Woodruff, who could have won the Cy Young. Then they have Peralta, who, you know, is really a good pitcher. And then they have Lauer, not to be confused with Matt Lauer. And uh, that's a good team. Uh, The Cubs, Kyle Hendricks. They paid Stroman a lot of money for some reason. Here's the deal. I don't get... You know, first of all, Hoyer's in the he's in the wrong profession. Look at Dombrowski. He comes in and in a year, he doesn't have as much money as the Cubs, doesn't have as much money as the Cubs. He's got Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, uh, Schwarber. Uh, they're gonna win. They don't they don't have a big budget like the Cubs. They got a big budget, but they ain't like the Cubs. So Dombrowski knows what the hell he's doing. Jed Hoyer, oh man, if he does, he's if he If he knows what he's doing, he's keeping it a secret because man, I mean, here, his boss is paying a billion bucks to go buy a team called Chelsea. Hey there, Chelsea girl. I think that's about an English girl named Chelsea too. He's buying a soccer team with Ken. What's his name? Who just bought 16 floors of some gigantic building in Chicago who paid for the bike trail in Chicago. That's very nice of you, Ken. We appreciate it. He paid for the bike trail because he didn't want runners getting in his way. So he's got a separate bike trail that uh, that he paid for. Yes, you heard me right. And uh, then some other hack, probably uh, uh, one of his dad's uh, political action uh, pack group guy. I don't know. They had to they had to kind of smooth over the Joe Ricketts um, anti-diversity memos that he was slamming on certain ethnic backgrounds Mm -hmm. to say that uh, that's not the belief of the Ricketts who are involved in buying this this team. It stinks, The the whole deal stinks in baseball. These guys, in addition to the 65 million from the streaming revenue and whatever other Fox throws in and ESPN throws in. The Cubs, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, all the White Sox, they're all north of 100 million bucks in local broadcast revenue, you heard me. That's just TV, that's not even what used to be WGN and now is uh, the, the score, ESPN 1000 maybe. I guess the score is 670. The score, Chicago radio dial. So, anyway, what am I? What am I doing? I'm trying to wait for Bobby D, my man. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped up. I can't. I can't really describe whether I am delusionally optimistic or incredibly pessimistic about the baseball season. Um, I've got seats. Good seats four seats on the aisle at Wrigley somewhere behind the dugout that, uh, yeah, I was going to get rid of my seats. I did. But then a buddy of mine said, Hey, you know, I'm just right next to you. Do you want to split some of my seats? Okay. I'll bail them out. This guy needed bailing out like, um, like Scherzer needs another couple bucks. I mean, this guy, but I did, I did. I took, I took some tickets from him, eighteen games, and uh, the rest is history. Got rid of my Royals tickets. Actually, gave them to my son to deal with, and uh, and he's doing that, and he's uh, gotten all the tickets in the hands of people that ought to get the tickets. So uh, that's good. So am I upbeat or downbeat? Is downbeat a word? I don't know. I, let me say this: I think that the Royals, now that Bobby Witt's going to be up there, are going to be fun to watch. With Merrifield, Sal Perez, Bobby Witt, um, they just—I don't—I don't. I'm going to find out a little bit more about their lineup. They have very little pitching, from what I can tell. They had a couple of good pitchers they got rid of, and the—but uh, I do know a little bit about the Cubs, and with the the corners in the outfield and the corners on first base. And I don't think they're corners in the bullpen, but the starting rotation sucks. The bullpen sucks. The outfield potentially sucks. The infield potentially sucks. They have nobody. I I don't think they have anybody. Maybe Wilson Contreras in the top 100, according to the the, uh, baseball network, MLB network top 100. I don't think the Cubs have anybody in there. A lot of former Cubs, Chris Bryant, Schwarber, Castellanos, but um, not the current ones. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? So they got the corners, Schwindel and Wisdom. Oh, man. Good for the Iowa Cubs, not so good for the Chicago Cubs, in my opinion. i could going to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I like Schwindel and I like Wisdom. They're great. They're fun to watch. Uh, wisdom strikes out more than anybody in baseball. Schwindel, you know, he's coming on. Let's see what he does with the full season. If he does with the full season what he did last year, he's going to be pretty good. Now, he's like a five 5'11", 170-pound first baseman, right-handed. What's that about? I mean, where is the Boog Powell, Ted Um, uh, Where are these big guys that can't play anywhere but first base? I don't know. That ain't... Frank, but Frank, Frank's there. Wisdom can friggin' flat out put the ball in play. Is he going to be as good as Pete Ward or Bill Melton in the White Sox world or Ron Santo? He's not going to be Ron Sando. But um, I don't know. Maybe uh, he'll do good and cut down on his strikeouts, but I don't think so. I predict he'll strike out probably. Can anybody strike out 200 times and still have a job? I don't know. Maybe him. Uh, saber metrics, I still feel the same. I want a bunch of baloney. Average matters. Runs batted in matters. Okay. The OPS, offense, uh on base plus slugging percentage, that matters. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but wins, losses, RBIs, run score, that, that, forget this Saber metrics. Forget this war. War is subjective. It's like, who's the best broadcaster? Well, you know, is it Vince Scully? Is it Bob Euchre, Is it Bob Costas? If Costas has made a little comeback. You know, I need to try to get Bob on the show. We used to be acquaintances, not friends, but acquaintances. I try to get Bob on the show. That would be fun. But you know, maybe the chances of getting Bob on are just about as good as getting Yogi Bear on. God rest his soul. I loved Yogi. His birthday's my birthday coming up on seventy-two. Yogi. And uh, that's okay. So, it's kind of a spontaneous. I'm having a good time because I'm excited for Thursday to come and opening day. I'm l- really excited. Now, am I excited about the whole season? I'll tell you Friday. I'll tell you Friday. And, you know, if we can squeak out an opening day victory, if Kyle Hendricks can have a better opener than he did last year while I was there, he got bombed by Pittsburgh. <sighs> You know, know, at least if you lose to the Brewers, it won't be so bad. If you lose to the Pirates, it's like, holy crap. They are, first of all, $25 million team. How far can that go? Second of all, they are really, really bad. And third of all, if you lose to a really bad team, then what do you have? I don't know. I'm hoping that we can beat Burns or Barnes, whatever his name is and then take on Woodruff and uh, maybe split. Boy, you know, I'd be pumped, be encouraged. If we take three out of four, I I don't know what I'd say. If we get four, that's four out of 81. You're on the way to a barbecue dinner with uh, the likes of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to uh, take a little break. We've been at it a few minutes. And uh, when we come back, I'll either talk more about nothing or we'll have Bobby Denier on, and that will be fun. Uh, So let's hear some music from Tyler out there in a Wahoo. And for all you friends that are listening on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or now, as it's proper to say, wherever you get your podcasts, hell, who even knows where our podcast is? but I'm telling you, and you guys are great. I appreciate every one of you. Actually, it's fun because I know a lot of you um, contact me through email or through some other way. And it's, uh, you know, it. I, I'm very thankful. I appreciate the comments. Everybody's very nice and upbeat. The audience is growing. As I said, we keep getting new listeners every day. And the only way I know that is I get these little notes saying you have a new follower. So, I mean, sometimes they seem to be, Engaged in uh I don't know, uh as one of my kids pointed out, he's a dad. I think she's a stripper and probably not following you on the lighter side of baseball. But I go, hey, you know, we'll take anybody and everybody to listen on the lighter side of baseball. Maybe we'll get a uh, uh a sponsor in a uh dancing establishment. But that's okay. Anyway, put you on hold, we'll be back in a few minutes, listen to the music, and there you go. All right, folks, we are back on the lighter side of baseball. And as I promised you, one of my favorite guys, he golfs a lot better than me. The only gold glove center field winner for the Chicago Cubs. He managed to stay up in Philadelphia a few years. Bobby Denier, man. He's been on the show before. Bobby D, how are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing well, Jay. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Can you hear me all right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there has been. Uh, you mentioned golf. Uh, there has been, although this week's going to be a little testy with the weather, uh, a little windy and, and, uh, maybe a little stormy, but, uh, overall we've had, I don't know, maybe almost a dozen, uh, dozen spring games here in Kansas city. It's been pretty nice.
0: That's really good. And spring games in Kansas city featuring who?
1: Oh, just some local knuckleheads that I play with, uh, you know, primarily, um, you know, just uh, uh, guys, a couple guys I grew up with, which is always nice. And uh, I was at a meeting this morning talking about it. We do a charity golf event here in, in uh, little town of Raytown, where I grew up every year, and uh, raise money for the kids program. And and uh, so we were talking about about golf again this morning. I took I kind of took the rest of the day to just do stuff around around the house. Uh could have played, but. I decided this week I'd, I'd just do some other stuff and, you know, all that necessary stuff, Jamie, like paying taxes, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I know. I've just, uh, i just uh, got that behind me. Hey, the uh, weather in Kansas City, some days good, some days bad. The weather in Chicago is sucky, man. Not for golf. I, heard.
1: I, I caught a glimpse of some snow, uh, snow flurries, I think, uh, maybe a couple of days ago. I, I haven't looked uh, today or. Looked ahead, I'm I'm gonna actually be heading up there in a couple of weeks, so I hope maybe we get some kind of reasonable weather. You know how it is in Chicago; it can be anything.
0: I know. Did you? Uh, so I'm excited. Number one, opening day on Thursday for uh, the Cubs at Wrigley against the Brewers. Four games could be ugly. I'm not. I don't know. Are you optimistic about either of the? Uh, well, let's take the Cubs first. How do you feel about their lineup that's going to come north after spring training?
1: Yeah, it's uh, kind of a bit of a, a mystery, I guess. At this point, I, I don't think I'm alone in, in that statement. Um, a lot of wait and see. Uh, There's some injury issues, and uh, you know, some lineup structure uh, stuff. I happen to I taped the game Saturday, and because uh, of course there were some other games on Saturday that we all were interested in on the television. So I taped the, the Cubs. Uh, game uh Saturday against the Angels and and thought I I'd, I'd, I'd review that so I looked at it yes yesterday and Cyclop was doing the uh the game along with with uh, boog uh so I thought I maybe about a week to go I get a pretty good look you know pretty good take of what they look like but they if if, if that's what we're going to look like I think a lot of guys would agree boy uh, it could be a little bit of a teeter totter but uh, early in the game they they kind of kicked the ball around but then late uh, one of the kids had a three run walk-off home run uh there in S- at Sloan uh, Sloan Park and and they walked them off. But it looks like to me, Jamie, really that, you know, even Jed Boyer, uh the the decision maker, uh is probably a little bit in the look see and then we'll make a move based on that mode. You know, look, look, see what you see. They're gonna kind of uh, reveal themselves. You know, that that's what we do in large part players, we reveal sort of who we are and then the bosses make decisions based on what they see. And the Cubs are really in that mode right now.
0: Uh, they are. And it you know, again, it I thought I was over dumping on Rickus and Theo and Jed uh, for unloading what Bowie Kuhn, if he was a commissioner, wouldn't have let him do it. But uh, you know, they dumped the whole team and and I they just when I, I don't see them getting anywhere near 81 games in the 500 column, and I don't uh, – maybe this Suzuki will be good. Maybe Hayer will be good. Maybe Fraser will be good. You know, man, oh, man, it just looks like Schwindel and Wisdom and uh, Nico and I, I think Madrigal will be all right. Catching looks good. Pitching looks bad. <laughs> the bullpen, I mean – did you get the spring training? Do you have a feel for these guys uh, any better?
1: No, we didn't go. I mean, the last two springs because of the, the COVID situation and, and, uh, and then with the lockout, you know, a couple, uh, this spring made it kind of, you know, it was too late to, yeah. you couldn't plan it. You couldn't really, you know, there wasn't really an extended spring like normal. So we'll wait, hopefully next year, we'll be back to completely back to normal and, uh, you're right. You hit on everybody, um, with the exception of one guy. Of course, they're waiting on Simmons. Um, you know, if he's healthy or not, and then that'll kind of speak to what Nico ends up doing. He's really not a shortstop. He's doing a good job. I mean, he's more of a second baseman um, overall ability and just a great athlete. Um, you could probably put him anywhere on the field and he'd help you win. But yeah, what's with ideally? What's with hurt
0: is Bodie hurt
1: Bodie's another question mark I you know I, I I don't know I gotta admit that I'm not completely in full tune this week was going to be kind of key for me to kind of really get in full tune with how they break camp you know and then I can kind of get a better idea yeah opinion wise I don't know the whole system obviously yeah. having not been to spring training like normal and kind of dove in a little bit more and walked over there like we normally would and speak around, talk to the coaches. And, you know, you get a feel for who some of the young guys, I know Brennan Davis, a, a few of them, uh, I kind of pay particular attention to guys that can run, uh, you know, or that play the outfield. That's naturally a, a slot for me to kind of raise my eyebrows. Oh, I'll keep an eye out on that guy. So I haven't really got a full, a full verse yet, but I think by the time I, uh, the end of this week and then get up there and, and, uh, a couple of weeks and really get a look at the product on the field. And, and uh, I have a better feel, but overall, I think there's still, you know, like you, you stated in the beginning, uh, still kind of shaking off the whole, the wholesale, uh, moves that were made, you know, last year, uh, for the good of the whole, I understand that, uh, you know, you have, you have to do things sometimes. And, and in a way it was kind of good, for the players. I mean, when you get, you know, when you get paid $150 million or whatever, I think that's still a pretty good day for you. (laughs) And and yeah. So Chris and the hobby and even, even Rizzo, I was a little surprised Rizzo ended up having to leave uh, for good. I thought maybe we might be able to retrieve him after a little visit with the Yankees. And, uh, but uh, he'll be in a, he'll be in a fine home over there and a team that's going to threaten to win. And, same with and, and hobby. We'll see Detroit's better as well.
0: Isn't that weird? I mean, uh, number one, there's a million things that we could talk about. I love talking to you. I'd love to talk about base running and how the game's changed. You know, folks out there don't know. He's still, Bobby stole over 240 bases uh, in his major 10 year major league career. I'm probably shorting him some bases, but you know, he, and and the first time he was on, we played Harry Kall's, broadcasting your inside the park, walk off home run. I mean, so Bobby was just an exciting player. And we don't, I guess we have that now. I'm trying not to be too pessimistic, but look at where, uh, you know, the, the Rockies give up Nolan Arenado and get Chris Bryant. Bryant uh, goes to the Rockies who have no, no better chance of winning than the D-backs, the Cubs, the Orioles, or the other bottom dwellers. Javi goes to friggin' Detroit. Uh, Schwarbs and Castiano sign with Dombrowski, which I think Dombrowski is the best GM in baseball and, or whatever they call him now. But where everybody ended up, it was kind of weird, I thought. Not just the Cubs, everybody.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised with the – now that you remind me, I was wrong. I was kind of thinking, Chris, I still couldn't shake off the Giants for him. I thought that was a good fit. And now he has – you're right. He, of course, he's in Colorado, which – you know, I mean, if they're stepping up for 180 million. I, I, you know, yeah. you got to go with their it. It. yeah So be it, right? But Javi, I think that team's trying to. The Detroit's trying to get better. Uh, that that's apparent. Uh, yeah. So that that's a, I think, a good place to be. And and obviously Rizzo, you know, and 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 with with Schwarber and the Phillies being aggressive in that division, you know, there there you go. You get Castellanos and Schwarber, who I. Got to be honest, I really like both of them in a Cub uniform, no doubt. Uh, but did they all fit at the right time in the same space? And, and now, of course, we have the DH. There's a lot of things where it's different. And you know, the Philly defense is going to be a little suspect. You got to bite that apple if you're going to bite the Schwarber and Castellanos apple. They're not. They're not known as the top shelf defensive outfielders, but but they're not complete. Uh, numbskulls either i mean they're they're athletes you got a guy that can run it down the center and in, in the middle of them you know you might be able to get by i've, I've kind of been it's been claimed that i've been in that spot a, a time or two in in my past but i would agree that they're they're all four. these guys are athletic and so you know with repetition and good health you know they could probably get by i i, I just really i just wonder what kind of personality we're Redeveloping, you really saw the development. Remember back in 2012, and I was done coaching after the 2011 season, so I watched it blossom from the sideline with Theo in charge and, and Jed, and how they you could really watch how they wanted it to look. You know, when you saw Rizzo and you saw Bryant come and Javi come, and and even in the some of the other young guys like Almora or Happ, and and yeah, now and, the, yeah, and, and then Schwarber and so on and so forth the personality of the team, how it developed and how he wanted it to look right now. I think we're, we're kind of, I think we're all kind of waiting to see maybe a similar thing and whether or not they're able to do that. I really don't know, you know, unless you're in those rooms, unless you're in the bubble, you really don't know a hundred percent, but I'm watching with a, obviously with an interested eye and I'll be curious to see what Jed wants it to look like.
0: Yeah. And it's, Two things strike me. Number one, you obviously still care about the old you know, Philadelphia Phillies and and, and uh, what they're doing. And I think Giardi and I know Wathan, John Watham's son, is a third base coach still. So there's a little yeah. Kansas City connection in there. So it's obvious that number one and number two that you're still a great student of the game. And for again, for those guys who you know, who's Bobby Dernier, uh, one of the more exciting players in the in the last thirty or forty years. With a really really good career, so I mean, it's that's why it's fun to not only talk to you on the show, but it's fun to play golf with you. Um, you know, you played with some really, you were great. You played with Sandberg and Matthews and all these guys from Philadelphia. Dallas Green came over, and and your um, pipeline was was fascinating to me, just fascinating. And so,
1: anyway, there you go. Yeah, we. Know. Uh, at that time you know not unlike you know the, the 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 same things are happening today with whether it's with you mentioned Dave Dombrowski or with Theo or or Jed or guys that have been had success and had success with certain groups of players you know or have have knowledge of those guys as well uh within an organization they end up bringing them like Theo brought and Jed brought Rizzo you know, they had him in Boston as a young player in San Diego with Jed. And so he, he, he they knew that ant, that big, sweaty, left-handed hit in first baseman was going to be one of those guys, okay? And they wanted him in the middle of the lineup, and then they were going to build in front and in back of him. And and I love that kind of thinking. That's why I'm saying when when you look at it. We have a caller calling in. Hold on. <laughs>
0: okay, go ahead. <laughs> As one of our great callers calling in telling me that the refrigerator repairman's coming. That's great.
1: Okay, good. We can, Uh, we can take a break when when he arrives.
0: Um, Hey, anyway, Bobby, the, uh, you know, like that pipeline you're um, you're referring to. And with Rizzo um, I like you thought he'd come back to the Cubs and who knows what went on between, you know, behind the scenes and, they had to be disappointed that they broke up everybody. Um, But yeah, I mean, you described Rizzo. uh, I was laughing on the segment before you joined in on the show. And, you know, I get so pissed off and I'm watching Rizzo, you know, who's in the game laughing with, you know, the the opposition that gets there. It's just, uh, you know, he's just got an interesting personality and what a great swing, you know, a good first baseman.
1: Yeah, and it reminds you really, Jamie, what it reminded me of was again how really fleeting, how quickly uh, you know, the good times roll, so to speak. You know, when you get you get in the middle of that chase for the, you know, the big ring, in which we watched them, you know, finally accomplish that in 2016, which was but a short six years ago now, not even that. And so when you think about baseball and how it, how it evolves and how it happens, if you will, right before your very eyes, it happens. And then how quick that all goes away. Boy, And yeah. now it's 2018 or 2020, or now it's 2022. And you have to only, you have only but to reflect on that and go further, you know, looking for another one. And it just seems like every year baseball, baseball kind of has every year in its existence has its own lifetime, sort of. That That's how I look at it. It seems to be, it allows me to slow, kind of slows the clock down a little bit when I was playing and coaching. It seemed like rice or life was just, you know, zipping by one one moment after another so quickly that you had no time to reflect at all. And now, of course, all we can do is look back on it, period. That's a point. So yeah, I just try to remember, you know, boy, when you're in the middle of that, make sure you're getting a good full dose of it because how quick it just goes away. The players are gone.
0: So true. So true. Let me put you on hold for a few minutes. Let this guy on. take a break. When we come back, I want to ask okay. you the most favorite guy was that you coached some of the guys uh, besides Sandberg that you enjoyed playing with. So we'll be back in a minute, folks. I appreciate your patience. Bobby D. Bobby D, this is great, Bobby D. I'll tell you what, uh, nice fellows repairing my wine refrigerator, of all things. And I said I'm doing a little podcast. Got Bobby De Niro on the other side of the the uh, podcast, and he goes, "What'd you think about the Kimbrel trade for Pollock?" I go, "Man, you got to come on in and be on the show."
1: What about that, yeah, that that just happened. Uh, I watched, happened to be. And we were talking about watching, you know, watching the games recently. And I, I got to see the Sox as well a couple of times. And uh, and then I noticed that on the highlights, I think I was looking at maybe is, or I flipped, I oh, know what it was, I flipped to another game and I think it was, uh, well, Kimbrell went to, he went to who?
0: He went to the Dodgers and got lit up. Right.
1: That's right. And so I flipped to a game. The Dodgers couldn't get out of it. This is yesterday. Couldn't get out of an inning that I guess Kimbrell started yesterday. Got nobody out. Right. He must have struggled big time, huh?
0: And, you know, he struggled two years ago with the Cubs, and he has a pretty good year last year. Uh, Right. Jed trades Kimbrell, which everybody knew he was going to do. But then the – and again, they didn't get much for any of those guys, but they did get Madrigal, the good second baseman who was hurt. Yeah. But as you point out, Nico's a second baseman. Bodie's a second baseman. The last thing they needed was a second baseman. But, you know, I think Madrigal well, I, could be there. I a
1: think li- okay. They look at it different. Like Guys aren't even second baseman anymore, Jamie. What they are are, they're infielders, right? I mean, I don't yeah. want to be. I don't want to dive off into the political. It's like there's no gender anymore, you know, in baseball. Um, You know, it's weird. Like you can't be identified as just one position because there's the shifts and everything, you know, the depth you play, uh, you don't get positioned as just one guy. Like, you know, you're just a second baseman, you know, or you're just a shortstop or a third baseman. You now like Bodie, who's a bit of a switchblade, right? Right. Yeah, And so is Nico and in a way they're both switchblady kind of guys. So you can't call them just like one thing, you know, you, you, you it's just, it's not realistic in baseball anymore because you have to be more talented than that kind of, you know, in order to sort of fit the, the, the game plan and-
0: so with, with that in mind, that's so true. And with, the versatility of a bodie or of a nico or or of some of these other guys and with the emphasis on home runs and what do you, and strike what do you need a bodie or a nico horner to hit to to be vet, to be a worthwhile contributor to the major league team
1: yeah. Well, one thing they had to notice, cause it was just so obvious last year was that they, they swung and miss way too much, you know, striking out way too much swing and miss. So that I think that was part of the game plan going into 22. We're going to have some guys like uh, Madrigal and, and Nico guys that you can, you know, that personality, we're going to adopt that personality be a team that's more likely to put the ball in play. And, and, you know, the, the on-base percentages weren't good and, And so I think they made a a real concerted effort philosophy wise to to think more about, we, we need to be a team that doesn't strike out a lot. And, you know, I mean, that, that was always a, you know, that was a a game plan a hundred years ago, I think, you know, I mean, and, and not, not kidding around. I mean, I understand it's, it's no joke to hit today, pal. I'll admit it. I think it's harder. It's harder to hit today than when I played. It's easy to admit that to me, I watch, I see, I listen, and and I, I I'm willing to to admit that, uh, you know it's 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 in it's changed uh, several miles an hour we'll call it, right. and on a consistent basis it's not like I I mean I I can't imagine having to go hit against Dwight Good and ninety percent of the time yeah you know I, I wouldn't have been around long. I don't think, <laughs> that's a good a way reason- to put it.
0: but yeah, if they put a shift on with you. I guarantee that you'd beat the shift.
1: Oh, no doubt. Yeah. That, that would, I'd hit 700. If you tried, I made you shift on me like I wanted you to, that's how we did it. Or I did it. And I wasn't alone. You just by being capable of, of being a good bunner, you forced the infield to play, you know, a different depth and, Especially on the corners, but even the middle infield had to had to cheat a little bit because if if I if I hit it and it bounced three times, I I'm I'm going to beat you to beat the ball to first base. So you better catch and throw it. And that kind of mentality, that that sort of put the ball in play mentality, wasn't always pretty. I never claimed to be one of the best hitters, but I but I did claim to know how to get hits. And and there's a there's a game plan to that, and part of it is. You know, being good at certain things. If you're not good at other things, I wasn't going to hit it over them. So I got to make a position where now I can hit it past them, uh, or I can I can drop a punt and 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 put a blueprint in front of them. It was all it was all kind of part of the thinking back then that some guys still do, I think, but it's largely gone away.
0: Well, and. For all you folks out there, the near could hit. I mean, you know, there's such a small percentage of talented human beings that make it to the major leagues that stay for a cup of coffee that stay for a year that don't get optioned out. You, you know, 10 years over 2,500 bats. I mean, come on. So, um, you know, you had so many good experiences batting in front of Pete Rose for a year and all, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. But, um, it's a different game now. It's more boring to watch. And I, I'm just a fan. I, you know, obviously I didn't uh, do anything except strike out at the collegiate level. But, um, you know, it, they need to speed it up. They need to do some things. But for you, you're such a student of the game. I was wondering if you had a chance to look at any of the, uh, la- the current roster for the, for the Royals. I've uh, got a lot of Kansas City fans. And Bobby Witt's coming up, which is good. But after him and Perez and and Witt, where do they go?
1: Yeah, and I haven't I haven't had a chance to even lay my eyes on the Royals in a game yet. Um, yeah. But I I did see the bottom line. I did I've caught a few highlights and, and I think it's great news. Uh, and you know, not just any uh, prospect, but but what baseball believes is the number one prospect in baseball is yeah. is, is going to open up in Kansas City on Thursday. So. I just being a, you know, Kansas city guy immediately thought, Oh, good. I've got a reason, another reason, a good reason to go out and watch the Royals play. I am looking forward to seeing Bobby Witt play. I think he's going to be all they say he's going to be. Now we got to pray and hope he stays healthy. And, you know, I think guys like it makes you rekindles that thought of a young George Brett, maybe beginning his career. You know, they can't, we can't help that right. When we think about George and, and how, how long he's been here is still uh, doing a lot of things in the community. And, and, uh, and otherwise, I get to see him a few times a year. Uh, but he's got to be jumped that, hey, we got another young guy, a really good-looking young player that maybe we all can get excited about. So they're I talking about reminiscing. Reminiscing about George is a good problem for the Royals to have. Oh, my goodness you.
0: gracious. Yeah, I mean, I've got – you know, uh, when our good friend, Bobby's good friend and my good friend, Dave Nelson passed away, I, I ended up with most of his memorabilia and, you know, looking at the 1977 uh, team ball from that playoff team with Brett and Dave, Willie Wilson and uh, on and on and on with all those guys split and it's just kind of fun. And um, what a great team. I mean, and it's too bad they didn't uh, beat you guys in the 1980 World Series, which I was at. But, uh, you know, Bobby D was with the Philadelphia Phillies in
1: 1980. Yeah. Yeah, remember in that 76, 77, 78 stretch when the Royals, you know, they kept losing to the Yankees, right? Yeah. In the playoffs,
0: And then finally and the, Yankees would go,
1: and the Yankees would go to the World Series. Two out of three, they won. They beat the Dodgers both times in 77 and 78, who, by the way, We're beating the Phillies in the playoffs in 77 and 78. The Phillies lost uh, uh, as well in 76, I believe, to the Reds. And so that that ball was spinning. Royals, Phillies, you know, Yankees, Reds. Uh, That was the ball that was spinning back then when I was in college. And, like, you know, I was in that I want to go play mode. And (laughs) – yeah, now I end up right exactly with the Phillies in 80 were in September where, of course, they were going to end up beating the Royals in the World Series that fall. So yeah. it was a yeah, it all made sense. And it all it all really circled right around in my world, right around Dallas Green. He was the guy.
0: He was, he was the,
1: guy. The, the grandmaster, if you will, the the, the real. Uh, um he had the wand in his hand and, and, and along with a few other guys in his, obviously his lieutenants, but he was the boss. He was the guy who made all the, all the big decisions through that little stretch uh, when they did win. And then when we were in Chicago.
0: Well, and he did it with a uniform on and he did it with the, you know, in the front office and what a, what a, I don't think he gets enough credit uh, personally, but.
1: No, I give it every time because he was a godfather to me and not just me. there was, Sandberg and Moreland and on and on. I keep
0: going. So I know you keep in touch with all those guys. Who was who was the favorite guy of yours that you played with that was a teammate of yours? Can you narrow it well, down?
1: Well, Rhino gets the nod. Yeah, Rhino gets the nod because I had him for seven years, and in, including in all minor league seasons, and uh, and then four in the big leagues there in Chicago. Uh, so, you know, we got to experience there's nothing he could hide from me or me from him. You know, if you will, he knew it we knew everything about each other. And because we hit one, two in the lineup, we had a natural relationship on the field as well. So, um, <clears throat> probably had more and, and more influence overall, as far as he was the guy I watched, you know, and how he played the game. And I think it, it made me a better player or it made, I I think maybe I helped make him a better player, but I think what he did for me was just through demonstration was aspire to be a better player myself more than any guy I was around. And so, uh, but I had, you know, I had great relationships with, with many others, including Matthews and Moreland and, and, and uh, even of course in Philly, you know, having those older guys as a younger player, uh, really helped, you know, in the way of knowledge, and so I was able to kind of fast forward my education as well, mentally, not just you know the actual playing.
0: So you have this great perspective on um, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, not just for the Cubs but for baseball. What what one or two things stood out in in your observation of Sandberg? that got him to that sacred level of, of a hall of fame major league baseball player. What was it?
1: Well, you know, he had the reputation of, of not saying much, you know, he always, but the guys that knew him, I mean, we were like, you know, why they think he doesn't say much, we know better, you know, he's full of, he's full of all kinds of crudola and likes to, you know, pull pranks on you and, and, he's always got something witty or smart or, or, you know, important to say when he does talk. Uh, and he's got a sense of humor, you know, as good as anybody I was ever around. He likes to, he loves to laugh not only with you, but at you if he can. And so, you know, that's what I would, I I would always defer to, you know, that, that, uh, you know, you don't really, unless you, unless in baseball, you have a hundred or 200 days or whatever, Every day almost together, you know, and the day offs are very few and far between. So, you really in, in the minor leagues, you're on 10 hour bus rides together. So, you know, you have every opportunity uh, to l- sort of latch on and kind of count on each other. And uh, those of us that were able to succeed and keep going, we know who those other guys are and we kind of, you know, we kind of latch on to each other. And uh, so, I guess I was never surprised when right on had a great deal of success other than uh, I think nobody was prepared for him to kind of, you know, to MVP the league in his third year. Yeah. I think that he, he really shocked everybody, including me. It didn't, it didn't surprise me that he was the MVP. I was just taken aback how quickly that all happened, you know? And, and so if you wanted to pick on him, I could pick on him and say that um, he was boring. You know, because he just never made a bad throw, Jamie. You know, he didn't know the thrill of defeat.
0: (laughs) He didn't have have very many bad games. You know, like like Brett's reputation is, you know, average minor league player who met Charlie Lau and then worked his hands to death and turned himself into one of the top 10 hitters of all time, in my opinion. Sandberg, you know, did he, I mean, obviously all you guys worked hard. Um, uh, and as, maybe his personality Nelly Nellie always said, you know, it really didn't bother me that Nolan Ryan hit me 25 times. I'd still come back and the mentality of you guys who, who get in the batter's box with a guy like Dwight Gooden and it, you know, you're not afraid and, and, uh, and, or, or you're, you know, you're calm and maybe his personality is what got him into the hall of fame. Cause he was cool, calm and collected through his career.
1: Just boringly uh, consistent, you know, just never made a bad throw. You know, it might be a little late. He didn't, you know, but he never, he just never made a bad throw. He was like, uh, he was almost uh, sometimes, and even Don Zimmer, I remember when he was uh, on his younger side of his career, that, that his motions to the ball when he would go to catch it were a little stiff. You know, he could kind of stab at the ball and still make the play with his glove. And but I watched him do that in a ball and double A and, and I was like, how does he do that? He never made he, he rarely kicked one either. I mean, everything he got to, he made the play, and then he got to stuff he wasn't supposed to or you didn't think he was supposed to get to, and he did. And and he did it with such a consistency that it became almost, I don't know, it, it almost was boring to watch him play. That's at, funny, that's, at time. that's because great. he was just. Yeah, and, and he'd go through stretches where he would struggle a little at the plate, I remember, but boy, it just never lasted long, and uh, he just never seemed to tire either. He was such a great athlete, built for the long haul, where I was one of those, and I mean, most of us get hurt, Jamie, but I wasn't built for the long haul ever. I knew that my, I was on a speed train, and I better run as fast as I can, as long as I can, And then that'll be, yeah, that'll be the end of that ride. But the guys that can do, you know, like he could do with power and everything, uh, he was with that frame, uh, he was, he was able to really stay healthy and, and, uh, be consistent. And I think in large part, because he was so blessed athletically.
0: Well, when you max out on the pension, you were in it for the long haul. So. Don't, I know you're not selling yourself short and you're comparing yourself to one of the hall of fame, uh, guys in, in the world, but, uh, your career, the, you know, obviously you don't take a backseat to anybody who did you, who would you say when you were a coach with the Cubs, who was one of your more enjoyable students or who did you take, take under your wing more than some of the other guys?
1: Boy, they were all like having, you know, it was like having uh, hundreds of grandkids, you know, Um, I really felt that way. I mean, I had I had relationships with with, you know, even pitchers running the bases because everybody had to run them, you know. Right. And and so I I don't know, I gained I think I gained that they would all uh, latch on to my energy. You know, I would always bring it and hey, base running, you know, and I give them that. Hey, man, you think you're such a great hitter, huh? okay well guess what pal you're going to be on the bases a lot so you need to listen all
0: right let me let me one more time man i appreciate it if you got you can stay with me for about 10 minutes let me give you another break catch your breath be right back on uh, the lighter side of baseball. And as I said, I had, you know, we started before Bobby D got on, I was talking about the geese mating out in my backyard, shows you how important this, uh, some of the subjects are on the show, Bobby D. And then uh, we had to take a break while refrigeration repairman came in. And lo and behold, he asked me what I thought of the Kimbrel for Pollock trade. And as he was leaving, he talked about repairing Billy Williams refrigerator. So man, Bobby D, I got at least I share a refrigerator repairman with the sweet swinging Billy Williams.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just another indication, you know. In April, we're all we're all kind of wanting to stir that baseball soup up a little bit and and uh, figure out if our team's worth a a credit or not.
0: And, and, that's, and that's the one fun thing about it, um, you know. While we're all waiting for the Jayhawk game tonight, um, yeah. You know, I'm trying to figure out um, if the Cubs are going to be competitive, and if not, why not? Uh, there are plenty of problems in baseball. You know, the the lockout strike thing. I'm not sure who won. I don't think the fans won, but I'm just. I guess the best thing is they ended it. You know, the the owners figured out that. They were. This was really a good deal for the young guys who happened to be the majority of the union. <laughs> uh, didn't yeah. you think that was funny? Where the executive committee of eight major league veterans, most of which were Scott Boris clients, voted to reject the deal, and the 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 brothers said, "Screw it, we're going with it."
1: I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why it is truly. I think it's a that. That's what a union's all about. We we have to have you have to have the voices contribute, you know, you have to get in there and whether you're three year veteran or, or, or 13 year veteran or whatever you are, or, or you're a rookie, you need, you need to be informed and have an opinion, have a take, you know, don't be afraid to, and have gone through a couple of them. Yeah. You know, strikes in 81 and 85 and the, you know, the locker room yak. And, and I was, I was listening and I had a take and I, you know, I think we, because of that, you know that's the reason a lot of these guys are are getting paid what they're getting paid, and 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 why we fought so hard. You know for that that common ground we, that that we should share, and 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 the ownership uh, is equally valuable here, and in, in in that way. And everybody saw. You know it's important. I think that that everybody has sort of a, a you know a, a little piece of the pie here, and and don't be afraid to claim your piece. And, and have a take, and I'm just glad that, that the younger guys, you know, they they, uh, they stepped up, and, and uh, that's gonna that's gonna speak well for the future.
0: Well, they have not only stepped up, um, and I think the younger guys, quote the younger guys, did pretty well in in this go around of the negotiations, and with that arbitration pool, it freed up the Bobby Witts being able to come up now. Because they're there you not go. playing that stupid Chris Bryant game that yeah. the DOR right guys play.
1: You know what got me? What got me, Jamie? You, you know you're on top of it better than I am uh, with some of the details for sure. But what got me as a player was that you know because of what we talked about earlier, the game can be so fleeting. You know, you may only have this little short window of time. Maybe all your your whole career turns out to be your young years. Right and then you get hurt now you go home and you, and you got what to show for it you know so i'm a big believer in that i'm a big believer in you know you get paid for what you've done not for what you're going to do but today they do more so pay for what they think you're going to do and there's some risk in that obviously
0: yeah uh, on both sides. i mean the owners take a big uh, yeah a big risk um I but I like anger.
1: the thinking. I, I do. I like the thinking that that the progressive thinking in regard to the guys young, like, for example, the kid in uh, Tampa who they gave $100 million to.
0: Yeah, Franco. And was-
1: yeah. And huh. so I like that. Uh, and now, granted, there's risk, but, but I'm willing to see. I'm willing to progress, I guess you could say, in that regard, that I think the guys should get paid smarter for what you believe they're going to do, not paying them too late for what they've already done. Yeah. But I'm I'm also, you know, I get why a guy should get paid for what he's already done. It's a real, it's a real balancing act.
0: It is. It is a balancing act. You're exactly right. Um, You know, that you can't put into a major league contract. If you get X number of RBIs, you'll get more money. You can put in, if you win the MVP or the Cy Young or the rookie of the year, those kinds of incentives, unlike some of the other sports that, you know, if, if they tie them to performance, but with baseball
1: Yeah, games uh, played can be a big one, though. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's right, or or for pitchers, the mm-hmm. number of appearances they made. But you your the money's so good now, um, even for the first year players, and we say that, but it's also really a heyday right now for the ownership, you know this guy Cone didn't pay $4 billion to get the Mets in their broadcast because he's a good guy and he wanted to blow his money. That um,
1: no, it wasn't it David Cone either. That
0: was a, a whole, whole different guy. <laughs> right? Uh, speaking of a great
1: Royal and a great Mets, yeah. a great Yankee. God, a great Kansas just, City guy. You know, he grew up right here at Rockhurst High School. Yeah.
0: That's the difference between the NFL and the MLB. You don't, I mean, you might be able to remember a Roger Staubach or a Craig Morton or, a you know, Joe Namath or whatever. But in baseball, you can come up with a thousand different guys that had some interesting role that you remember. Uh, the David Cohns, Brett Saberhagens, Gubazov, guys that aren't household names. But You're I'll so- remember them forever because of the 85 World Series.
1: Right, I think there's still only like when I quit playing. I think there had been like a little over eleven, eleven thousand guys in history played. Yeah. I think now it's more like about twenty, maybe. I don't know about think twenty thousand, maybe. Lot. Yeah, I mean, think which is that's not a lot of people when you think about it. That's just not very many people oh. over however many years. Yeah, you know?
0: and folks, Bobby experienced, uh, you know, in the real world meaning of experience, like. I saw what I'm about to say, but Bobby lived it. And that is when you go to your first camp, your first spring training camp, you signed your first deal and it probably wasn't for a ton of money. And all of a sudden you're looking at 200 other guys that kind of, you know, they may not look like you physically, but they all have your talent and your skill. And it's like, how do I separate myself? It's got, I, I couldn't believe it when I, when I was representing minor league guys, I'd go down there and I'd see 200 guys doing jumping jacks in a Royals uniform. I'm going, Holy crap. Only 10 of them or maybe 10 will ever play triple a baseball, let alone the major leagues. How'd you yeah. that?
1: Really? It was true. And it was the, really the guy on looking, you know, through the hole in the fence. I had to really, you know, I was, I was a free agent signed for a whopping uh, $1,200, uh, you know, and, you know, for a $500 a month uh, job in, in uh, rookie ball, you know, or an A ball. So there was no money. It was, uh, I did receive total consciousness on my deathbed though, you know. So I had that going for me. But but they did, they did make you feel like there was a bit of a, you know, it was kind of like showing up at boot camp uh, in a way. And that first spring training, I remember because of that very Site, you'd see 200 guys doing 150 or whatever it was, doing jumping jacks. And every day, that repetitive boot camp mentality and four fields and, you know, four different levels, you know, low A, high A, double A, triple A. And then up the street were the guys who could really play. That's a whole nother 50 or 60 guys, right? So you knew that right from the jump. And I can tell you on the separating, One way they allowed you to separate back then, because it was really a big, I think it was a big, bigger part of the game, maybe at that point. Uh, But they still, I think, do some today in that you can either, you either pop the glove, you know, at 95 or you hit it about, you know, maybe two stories high, two blocks over the fence or you outrun everybody. Right. So I had the outrun everybody. I claim that and I held on to it. So that's one way you can separate, you know, and in, in the way of, they can't teach that. And, uh, those, otherwise you do, you can kind of get glommed up into the, the middle of, you know, a couple hundred guys. And now you don't really look any different. Yeah.
0: Well, and especially, you know, what guys that I represented were, they a lot of them weren't the prospects, you know, you've got, Three or four guys, and now, like, like Howard, for example, the Cubs drafted him, and uh, Chicago kid came up through the basically the projects or the um, the ace program that Reinsdorf came up with. And you know, they're going to take care of the guys they paid three million bucks to, they're going to move them up, even if they're hitting 230, they're going to go up. But if you're not a prospect. You know, you're, you're saying, if if these guys had me as an agent, which, you know, I said, look, it's a simple game. You hit 300, they're going to promote you. If you hit 220, you can bellyache till the cows come home. You're not going anywhere. And the same with pitchy. It's a it's just a statistically driven sport. And as you say, you can't teach speed, but, you know, you can't steal first base either. And so you had to have you had to have plenty of tricks in your bag to play 10 years in the in the major league. And, uh, yeah, no, I
1: get it. And, and, and I didn't mean to belittle the hitting, you know, at all, because I, I mean, I could hit, but I wasn't the best. I wasn't the guy you would use as the, like, here's, here's what, like you could cookie cutter a lot of hitters to look like me that, that it wasn't going to happen. You could, <laughs> you, you could cookie cutter some guys to look a lot like maybe, I don't know, pick a, pick a much better, example of hitting um, george brett if we want to get crazy you, know, you go george and mike right you couldn't go wrong with those two yeah. some guys only need one name right so you could pick schmidt and, and brett and then you could you could template that and say okay fellas watch the repetitive actions of these how these guys go about it they demonstrated it probably as good as anybody and yet baseball provides for the opportunity for you as an individual And you won't find two guys who look alike. Everybody has their own stamp on how they hit. And that's why I've always told the guys when it comes to teaching, hitting, the first thing is you need to understand. For me to really create you as a hitter would be just as difficult as me picking your lifetime girlfriend. Okay? I'm not going to try to do that. You got to do that.
0: I'm going to give you some ideas. You're on a roll today, man.
1: Well, you do, don't you? I mean, as a hitter, you got to create your own thing, you know. That's part of the game. And you can take those fundamentals we share, you know, common denominators, but you're not going to look like me and I'm not going to look like you, and I'm going to have my ideas and you're going to have yours. You got to pick your own girlfriend.
0: <laughs> well, without getting into our girlfriends, because you know <laughs> our 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 marriages are legendary to our beautiful brides
1: well she's still my girlfriend exactly uh, and
0: moving back to as with the exception of rose not being in the hall of fame but for this purpose of this question have you thought about how many hall of famers you played with in your career because you know yeah. you were an integral part of the team with schmidt with rose with sandberg um other guys that cross paths with you that you can think of
1: oh yeah i had a bunch of them i mean you know and and lefty, you know, Steve Carlton, uh, Dennis Eckersley, uh, Lee Smith. Uh, you know, I'm i i have to think. You know, really make sure I'm not missing anybody. But uh, yeah, the the complimentary uh, role, if you will, was one that you know. I I I was that kid though, as a young guy. I mean, I was always a complimentary player. I always never was the best player on my team except maybe one year I was voted the MVP of the league in '79 in a ball in the peninsula uh, or in the Carolina league. So I was probably the best player on my team that year. I'll, I'll give me that one. But outside of that, I—I I mean, I—I was—I hit seventh in my high school lineup. You know, I had six guys that were better hitters than me in high school.
0: Oh, that, but that's inspirational to all. You know, these guys that um, uh, get get drafted in the, when they used to have 60 or 70 rounds. Mike Piazza, the last guy draft basically, and they end up in yeah. the Hall of Fame or you know, you had a distinguished career. I've got a 1980 signed Philadelphia Phillies baseball with Carlton is one of the more legible. I've got a lot of Bobby De Nier autographs on wine bottles from St. Croix. And I imagine that Rose is on here. I know you're on here. Carlton's on. This is a cool ball. This is one of Nelly's. Oh that, yeah, that he didn't make one of Spectacular them. care of, but um, that was a great team. I mean,
1: uh, you, know, you mentioned Pete. We can't. We can't. We, we'd have to say. You know, it, it has to bug him. And I haven't seen Pete in a while. But you know, with the way things are developing, you know, you pretty yeah. soon they're saying you go to the ballpark and there's going to be a kiosk where you can bet on the game, or even bet during the game. I, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't even know any, all about it, but that's got to be as, as far as developing evolution of baseball and now it's, you know, that's got to be something that at least in, in I don't, I'm not looking through Pete's eyes at all, but, but I, and I only knew him as a great mentor. I, and that, that's it. I mean, the guy taught me a lot about the game and I'm going to keep that.
0: Uh, um, the he's the- going
1: to be looking at it a little weird right now. Don't you
0: think? Like, yeah, why? well, I'm laughing at two things. You number one, I laugh because, like, I do uh, quite a few podcasts with both uh Dwayne Stats and Craig Kishan, who are both broadcasters. One, obviously,
1: yeah, I had Dwayne for
0: a while in Chicago. Great, yeah, guy. I love Dwayne, he's a good guy. And anyway, um, we're always laughing that we don't have production meetings, you know, these guys are with Bally Sports Network and they have meeting okay. after meeting. And I'm laughing because you on your own touched on one of my all-time favorite subjects right now and that is the dependence and the amount of money that the owners are making from gambling now and how do you and i was never a big proponent of pete didn't know him. Uh, i didn't know how you keep the best hitter in baseball other than maybe ty cobb out of the hall of fame but now i had, I had lunch with reinstorf and i said how do you keep Joe Jackson out of the Hall of Fame? Because are you telling me that Pete Rose is the only guy between Joe Jackson and today that's bet on baseball? Go kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. But yeah, he's got. Well,
1: it. what they've always tried to avoid, of course, is that the the guys are going to influence the game negatively based on some bet, right? Yeah. And and so. And, and so I guess that's why it always got, you know, the the big sign on the door. Don't bet on the games. Don't, don't do that or you're gone. You know, no questions asked. Right. And that's like, that's all, that's enough for me. So I, you know, I wasn't going to mess with it, but at the same time, you see how now it it's been going on. Not, not so much with the players, but let's face it. America is what it is and they bet on the games. And so now they've evolved to that point. If the, If the players, I think if the players uh, have that integrity, which you're supposed to have, and most of us do, okay, if not all of us, and we're not going to bet on the games to make money. We're already making money to play the games. Now, I might, as you know, I mean, I'll admit, back in the 80s, and and this is the old bookie school, you know, baloney, guys were betting on football games, okay? And it was going on everywhere you know, whether it was at the bar, the restaurant, at the ballpark, huge. you know, the guy, they were betting on football left and right, pal, okay? And I wasn't the only one. <laughs> so, and, and America was. And now we finally evolved to the point, now what's right and wrong? Well, I think the same principles apply. If you're playing in the games, you're getting paid to play. Don't bet on the games. Don't do it. And then so, you keep that integrity.
0: Illinois, there were gross revenue, not to the state, but the gross betting revenue in this legal betting in Illinois last year was $5
1: billion, there you go. billion. So now it's above board, right? Now we can share the revenue. So, so I can sit
0: today for two hours of the Jayhawk game and place 50 different bets. With fifty different lines based on where the game is at a particular time, mm-hmm. and if you're in a state like Virginia or wherever you can bet. So here's the deal that that baseball's going to uh, have a problem with, I think, and football already is a little bit. They've they've singled out a couple guys for betting and claimed that he wasn't on the active roster. Um, and i I'm, and again I am. Believe me, I'm not accusing Dave Roberts of anything nefarious or of Max Scherzer, but it's kind of funny in the one of the the maybe it was the NLCS, the over under for Scherzer striking out strikeouts. You know they had a prop bet over under mm-hmm. Scherzer in a game seven and a half over the the over under point was seven and a half strikeouts. Scherzer last goes four inning, strikes out seven. Out comes Roberts and pulls his ass in the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. Supposedly a little dead arm. And I'm going, BS, man. Did somebody <laughs> I mean now, again? I know Roberts that's didn't natural
1: yak. That you yeah, that's that's a normal yak from a an in a betting environment, right? And and right. being on a... yeah, that's an that's and that's the integrity of the, that's why the players could, you can't never allow players to bet on the game and influence the game. So. And because nobody's going to want to watch that crapola, right? Mm-hmm. So therein lies the dilemma now. And so, but I think you got to get honest about the, the players need to about the fact that sports betting's out there. That's why I just got clean with, I bet on football games back in the, in those days. and And believe me, not, not to, uh, not not on the good side either. I yeah. lost when I won. So they need to learn, like, I don't think I'm going to do that. Right. So right. it's still not a really good thing to do. It's
0: not a good thing to do. Right. Just from a financial standpoint.
1: Right. So that's what I'm saying. Get honest about it and say, but, okay, you know, that's what it is.
0: Here's Jamie Uretzky warming up in the bullpen, doing, you know, before the game. And I'm the starting pitcher and I don't have it. I go in the locker room to, Change my undershirt and I call Bobby D and I say, dude, lay 10 grand on the other team. I suck. Yeah. Now, right. You know, but, my kid goes, Oh, that'll never happen. They're making $10 million. Why in the world Or Scherzer's making 30? Why would he do that? I don't know. Why do right. you. Have-
1: and, and, and the does beg the question, like, you know, what if a guy's only, you know, say he's a minimum guy, you know, granted, he's still making 700 or whatever. Um, But what if he decides he wants to make five million, and he can he can afford to go to somewhere where you can do that? I don't know where that might be, Vegas or whatever. Yeah. But if you could, if you could make more than you're actually making, then there in there lies the temptation to be, you know, to run that risk and ruin your career, among yeah. other things. Or you, you but, know, you
0: have inside information on injuries. And you yeah, know but
1: I think hard. I just think the players overall, Jamie, we, we just have way too much integrity and love to play. Like it <laughs> I overwhelms, I right? It overwhelms any 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 like lure nice. or any thought you might have given to. I never gave it a thought, not one thought. So I don't think, but I bet on football games. I'll admit it, because yeah. we're Americans, right? You know, we like to gamble on the freaking game. That's what we do.
0: Okay, let's
1: and it's like golf, right? golf, game, golf. You a golf yeah. game without some kind of nickel on it
0: no that's true i mean I michael is. jordan money or bobby oh my Day god money. yeah the, that's uh, a different game. with michael so the, the last time bobby d and i teed it up you may recall was at that barbecue relief tournament at lion's yeah. Gate, and they were serving up some great great food Really good. I, got, I bought one. I got a present at Christmas of one of those pizza cookers. They're good. I mean, even mm-hmm. I can't screw that up. What? Let's wrap up this program. What's your favorite barbecue in Kansas City?
1: Well, I don't have a real uh, number one allegiance. I, I'm a little split. I like. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd probably go to Gates. But but I love that Arthur Bryant sweet dress. Or I love the sauce so I can eat there too. And, right. and of course we got, we got Jack stack within blocks of me. So I, I, I cater that over here once in okay. a
0: while. Do you have a favorite or one that you like? That's not, not like Q39 or not like Joe's or not like LC's, but, but do you have a secret barbecue place out in Indy or Raytown or Lee summit or anywhere that I could yeah. go through with you that I hadn't been to before?
1: You know, I don't. But there is a yeah, there is there is a little podunky little gas station looking thing in downtown Lee Summit, which doesn't have a bad little barbecue sandwich or or you know, whatever you might desire. I don't even know the name of it. It's just on a corner, like in the middle of downtown Lee Summit down there off Third Street, kind of. But yeah. Well,
0: guests yeah. on our show get to go to barbecue with me. So well, I'll track you down, buddy. All right. No doubt. Be safe. If you're uh, actually up in Chicago, let me know. And uh, maybe we'll get together either at Wrigley or after. um, Because I hear
1: a lot. Well, I'm expecting to hear. I'll just give you a heads up if you want. If you want to bump heads for a beer or whatever. Um, But it's supposed to. I'll get the final details. But I'm supposed to come up, fly up the 20th. I got a couple of uh, corporate groups. And I'm going to sing the stretch on the 22nd. So I'll be up there for that little stretch. Pittsburgh? I don't
0: know. Is that the Pirates?
1: Yeah. That's a Pirates game. All yes. Right. So I'm just going. so you know, just a couple couple weeks from this Wednesday. Yeah. All yeah. right.
0: I've got uh, tickets for that Sunday game. So I'll be in town. So, yeah, let's uh, go to Harry's or go to a dive bar or do whatever. We'll get together.
1: I'll shoot, you, I'll shoot you the heads up when I get the info from Jim uh, from up in Chicago and give you kind of a template. What you we, want, what we, do you
0: want to uh, warm up for the folks on the lighter side of baseball and kind of give it a, take me out to the <laughs> – uh,
1: You know, it's so improv. It's so, you know, and only one beer allowed prior to. That's the key. Well. Uh, and then don't be afraid to throw the mic out to the crowd for a, a – maybe a sentence, uh, your hat. Or, put, yeah. put Bobby D gold glove,
0: 1984, you
1: know, fire the hat out there. i do the whole thing. i I think I've got a, I don't know the numbers. I'm going to make them research. Cause they got all those analytic people. I'm going to say, "Hey, find out how many times I've sang over the years. I'd like to know where I rank on the all-time list. I guarantee you I'm in double figures. Oh, wow. I don't know how high I am on that list. But I guarantee you, I'm not the on the bottom half. I, they've they've had me sing that thing at least I think ten or twelve times. I have to look it up. That is great. Um, yeah. It's a great was, honor.
0: Will Sutcliffe be out there when you're there?
1: Uh, maybe I. You know I hope I know Jim. It'll be primarily Boog and Jim Deshays, I think, and yeah. then Matt and and Coom in the in the radio booth, which is more my alley than the TV. But yeah. Um, I think that's the crew I'll get, but you never know. In today's world, I, I don't know how I'm going to watch the games other than MLB Network. I, I got to research that and find out about Marquee a little bit more and what I can do. Yeah. If I can do it, I don't even know if I can do it.
0: Do you have DirecTV?
1: No, I have normal Comcasty cable shit. You know. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, up in Chicago, I get comcast I, I don't know
1: man the, don't the last get couple years it. i haven't worried about it too much so over the covid thing i just didn't worry right. about it too much a new marquee just kicked in you know i thought oh, when i get up there, i'll find out so i'm gonna go when i go up in a couple of weeks i'm gonna find out what's the all deal right. there
0: all right well let's touch base i'm excited yeah, for you. you know. and i yeah. uh, appreciate it i'm gonna put the listening audience on hold All right, folks. That was a great Bobby D. What a good guy. That was a fun time. I enjoyed that half as much as uh, I hope he did. And uh, for you folks out there, Bobby D uh, will be doing the national uh, anthem of baseball at the seventh inning stretch. He'll be uh, singing, take me out to the ball game at Wrigley Field for maybe the 10th or 15th time of uh, his post Cubs career. So we appreciate it. Bobby D. And for the lighter side of baseball, Jamie Retsky signing off. And we'll be back with another exciting episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball soon. So for now, get a golf ball, see it up, stripe it down the middle.